Hey guys, this is Kendall from Recording Lounge. It is December 8th, 2011. We're getting really close to the end of the year. I'm going to try to do two shows this month, uh, especially with the holidays coming up. I want to do one before and after. So here's the first one of the month, and this is about drum recording. So let's. Uh, I'm going to head on over to the studio and uh, pick it up from there. So hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys. Um, I'm going to share a little bit today about my drum setup on a typical drum session. Now, we've talked a lot about drum mixing, but we haven't really talked about drum recording. Um, so for a typical rock session, this is basically uh, my setup, and I will kind of go through it one mic at a time. I get my main drum sound from overhead mics, and my favorite overhead mics are AKG 414s. And uh, these are in a space pair, and the key with these for me is that they are facing the kit. As in, usually when people put up overheads, they put them out in front of the kit and face them back, you know, back towards the drummer. But I actually face, I put them about midway of the, on the kit, on the sides, on the left and right side of the kit, kind of like by the hi-hat and by the right crash cymbal. I mean, they're in the middle of the kit, they're aligned with the middle of the kit, but the cat the diaphragms of the mics are aiming outward into the room at basically the same plane as the toms now but also it's about the same angle as most drummers may keep their ride cymbal which is fairly flat but maybe 15 degrees angled towards them um just just so they can get a little more ease with the bell and that's the angle that I keep my overheads. I keep them at the same plane, on the same plane as the drums. So whether that is flat, if the drummer sets up flat, then I keep the mics flat. And obviously the kick drum is on a perpendicular plane. That's key. Um, so anyway, then I have a stereo set of room mics. Now these are probably, I don't know, maybe 10 feet, 10, 11 feet from the center of the snare drum. And I actually do measure. Same thing with the overheads. I use measuring tape and I measure the exact same distance between the snare, the center of the snare. So I tape the tape to the center of the snare, and then I measure between the capsules and make sure it's the same uh, same distance. Why? Um, I want to keep the snare in the center of the image, and I want to keep it perfectly phase coherent. It's To me, the snare is extremely, extremely important. Um, almost over kick in some ways, because kick you mic so far in the drum usually, you don't ever get a lot of problems with isolation with kick, but with snare you do. You have hi-hat, you have toms, you have all these other mics that are right next to the snare. The kick drum is pretty uh, pretty well isolated, so you never really have imaging problems with the kick. It's usually the snare and the toms, um, and sometimes the cymbals. On the room mics, they are Perlman TM1 tube mics, and they are about waist height. Facing in, also measured the same distance from the snare. Um, again, you can do that with measuring tape. You can even do that with just a mic cable. Just tape the mic cable to the center of the snare. All right, I'm here editing the show, and I thought I would inject a little bit of clarity into this statement. Um, what I, I don't mean that the room mics and the, and the overheads have to be the same distance from the snare. I don't mean that. What I do mean is that the left overhead and the right overhead need to be the same distance from the snare. And then, let's say they're six feet from the snare. Well... Even if you put room mics 20 feet back, who cares? The point is that the left room mic and the right room mic are both 20 feet away from the center of the snare. So it's just in separate pairs. Um, I also have a mono room mic a little bit farther back, 
It is a ribbon mic, a Cascade Fathead. It's a really nice ribbon mic. It's uh, it's fairly dark. I have it a little bit lower, maybe somewhere in between waist and knee height. And it's also angled downward at the floor, maybe 40, 40 degrees. And uh, inside the kick, I have a, a an AKG D112, and that's a that's pretty close to the front head, maybe six or eight inches to the to the not the front head, the the beater head, and um, that's facing the point where the beater hits the head. Um, again, you don't really have a lot of isolation problems with the inside mic. Um, for the outside mic, that varies a lot for me. Um, It'll sometimes be a sub kick. It'll sometimes be a condenser like a 414 or anything anything that's large diaphragm and has a pad pretty much will work for my outside kick. Um, I've used uh, Beta 52. I've used certain tube mics. I've used all kinds of different things for outside kick. Um, so I, I love a condenser with a pad on it, um, something that's got a lot, nice big low end. And I usually put that about a foot away, um, any farther, and I feel like I get a lot of symbol. A lot of times I'll also put that in figure eight. Never do I put it in omni, and rarely do I put it in cardioid. I almost always either put it in hypercardioid or figure eight. I feel like it gets a lot better isolation of the ride symbol because it's a foot out, and the ride symbol is right above the kick. And I feel like if I don't have if I don't have it that way, uh, then I get a lot of ride symbol. And ride symbol already cuts a whole lot, so, um, and it's it's probably gosh, it's probably shin height. It's pretty low. It's it's about uh, middle of the kick drum, if not a little bit lower. Um, now on toms, toms I usually use dynamic mics. I do like condensers, but they're not always available for me. Sometimes I have a big session where I have to use them on other things. I don't have infinite amount of mics. So um, I really like MD421s. I also really, really like Telefunken M80s. Um, gosh, I 57s, they work too. Um, lots of great dynamic mics. Uh, right now I've got MD421. Those are great mics. Again, they're positioned about 45 degrees from the plane of the tom whatever that plane may be, and um, I feel like that gets a nice in-between balance of head and body of the drum, and uh, they're pretty close, two to three inches away, not too close, uh, but definitely not far. Uh, Another tip is I try to keep the cymbals up, the higher a drummer, like I basically try to tell drummers, you know, the farthest that you can stand to have your cymbals, the better. I really think that that that's key, because... If you have your cymbals too too low, you're just going to get bleed on everything. Also, you might not get a good balance in the overheads. Um, you might just get way too much drum and not enough actual cymbal, which is so rare, but sometimes it happens. Um, so I usually try to tell drummers, if they're going to play their cymbals low, then they're going to have to play them quieter. Um, and they're going to have to play all of them low, as in they're going to have to put their hi-hat lower, they're going to have to put their cymbals lower, and they're going to have to play them all quieter. So instead, if they put their cymbals up, it gets they can play at their normal volume, and you never need to play super loud in the studio on cymbals, and that's a big thing. A lot of drummers just play way too loud on their cymbals. Um, and you, can, you, should, you should be able to tell them, you're playing your cymbals way too loud. This isn't a concert. You don't have to beat the crap out of them. Um, I have cu- a custom set of cymbals for the studio that a lot of drummers actually end up using because they're uh, short decay and they're very balanced. They're not super bright. 
Um, and so they record really well. You can hit them, you can ride on them, and they sound great. And they don't splash and muddy up and hiss and ring in weird ways like cymbals usually do. On the snare, I've got three microphones on the snare. And this is sort of an interesting setup, but it's evolved from a lot of different things that I like. And, and it finally has come to a situation that I, I just love. I love the way I get snare sounds. So on my snare drum, I have two top mics and a bottom mic. Now, why do I do this? Um, on the top, I have been putting a dynamic mic and a condenser mic with a pad. Now, this is a small diaphragm condenser and a, you know, like a Telefunken M80 or a SM57. The bottom mic is either an SM81, an AKG451, or an SM57 to get the snares. I love the bottom mic. Do I use it a lot? No. But I, I will often filter it and push it just really slightly up um, under everything else. And I like it because a lot uh, you'll find a lot of people saying, oh, I hate bottom snare mic. I never use it. Well, that's because you got to use it very sparingly. And you also have to filter out a lot of bottom end on it. Another thing is that with the bottom mic, um, it gets, for some reason, it just gets a ton of isolation. So there's hardly any, you know toms or hi-hat in it it's very isolated um, because it's kind of shielded like sunblocked from the whole kit because of the snare especially if you put it like almost directly under and uh, so you can push that up in order to get some brightness out of the snare that otherwise you would have to EQ the crap out of the top now speaking of the top I've got two mics on the top this is a Telefunken M80 and a let's see, an AKG 451 the capsules are aligned as close as I possibly can get them without actually touching. And this is so that they're as phase coherent as possible. Um, they are both about uh, maybe two inches off the head but facing the center of the drum. They're off the rim facing the center of the drum about 45 degree angle. So it's not exact center. It's maybe an inch or two off center. It's facing that point. It's 45 degrees. And so what I do is I play with the phase relationship of these two. I make sure each one sounds good on their own. And that usually is pretty easy at the standard, you know, couple inches off the head, 45 degrees. That usually just works, especially with a good drum. When you play with the phase relationship of these two mics and when you can blend them in just the right way, you get a lot of bottom end and you get a lot of top end, which is usually that snare sound. You want a beefy snare sound with lots of punch and you also want a nice crack to it. But you don't want too much boxiness, which is what we get a lot with toms and drums and kicks and everything. Now, I am warning you, I am using some nice modules that have EQ on them. So I am EQing my toms and my kick drum to... Uh, to into the computer uh, when I'm recording. I don't, I don't mind using EQ in recording. Now, it's very light. It's probably the most is a couple decibels here and there, and that's mainly to filter out some unwanted uh, frequencies and to maybe accentuate some lows and accentuate some attack um, on the kick and on the tom. So um, other than that, I've got a behind-the-kit mic, which is a PZM microphone that's actually mounted on the back wall here. It is some $50 CAD PZM mic, about shoulder height when the drummer is sitting, maybe a little bit lower. Let's see, maybe... I guess when I'm standing, it's about waist high. So waist high is a pretty good, 
pretty good place in this room. I don't know about your room, but in mine, waist height works really well. Um, as a as a PZM microphone, it has a hemispherical pattern. So what that means is it doesn't pick up the back wall. It picks up in a hemisphere around it. So what you get is a lot of side snare, the, the under snare sound, but it's from the side, and you get a lot of kick beater. Now, this mic is out of phase with everything, and so you got to be subtle with it. You have to uh, bring it in slowly, but you can do a lot of cool things with it. If you bring it up on something like a like a pop session where there's a really tight drum kit, like something like uh, funk or something with like a drummer like Steve Jordan on something similar to John Mayer style, bringing up this mic is amazing because it's got a lot of beater head side on the kick and it's got a lot of snare crack. So I can get a great drum sound with... The behind the kit mic, two overheads, kick drum, and one top snare. That usually gets a lot of great drum sound for me for a pop session. Um, main, and mainly because of this behind the kit mic. It has a really cool sound. It also sounds really great when the drummer does side sticks. So sometimes if he's doing a, a cross stick, side stick, whatever you want to call it, it will get a really nice crack to it and it'll. I can push that up in a section where he's doing cross sticks. Um, okay, so I'm going to play something just a little bit on the drums just so you can hear how it sounds. Now, this is going to be uh, totally dry other than a little bit of compression and reverb on the drum bus. That's it. There's no EQ at all other than the EQ also that I'm EQing on the rack tom, floor tom, and kick drum live. Um, but there's no EQ in the computer at all. This is 12 microphones on a drum kit, and if I was going to add any more, I would add sometimes various different room mics here and there. Sometimes I'll add, um, you know, another tom mic um, on the floor tom. Sometimes I'll add one underneath. Um, not really on the rack tom. I get a lot of resonance on the rack tom anyway because it's suspended. But on the floor tom, sometimes the drummer is doing some really important, like, big moments, you know, on the floor tom. Um, and also sometimes there's a, I also have a 14 inch floor tom. I'm using a 12 and a 16 right now. I have a 14 inch floor tom that we sometimes use. So that add another mic. Also every now and then I will mic the hat and the ride. And these are usually a small diaphragm mic like a Neumann KM184, an SM81, or an AKG451. So, all right, well let's, uh, let's hear the drums. Alright, so like I said, all I did there was add a little bit of reverb to the drum bus, and I added a little bit of compression. We're talking three decibels of compression, not much. And that's it! There's no EQ or compression on any individual channels 
other than the kick, the toms, and actually I forgot that I was EQing the top snare mic, the dynamic, the M80, um, also. So that's, and I recorded those with EQ. I didn't do that in the box. I recorded them with analog EQ. So, um, but I didn't use EQ on the second ki uh, the second kick mic, nor did I use EQ on the second snare mic, nor did I use EQ on the bottom snare mic. So, um, all of these are basically dry in that regard. There's no compression, like I said, other than the drum bus, and, um, I guess the mastered limiter that I put on the show to get it at a right volume, but that's not really doing any, that's, the show's not that loud or anything. Now, granted, the room that I recorded these in, these drums in, is fairly small. Maybe a larger bedroom equivalent. However, the room is treated very well. There are probably 30 different acoustic panels in there, 20 to 30 acoustic panels in there, and they're all serving their own purpose, and they make that room sound good. It's also a custom drum set with custom cymbals and fairly new heads. Um, however, these are my dry sounds, and if you're wondering, you know, how do I get drum sounds that are good? Well, step one is to have a good drum set and a good drummer, and especially a good drummer. That's the biggest thing. Step two is to have a, a really, really good room, whether that's a large room or a small room that's treated very well. I don't mean dead. I mean treated broadband with absorption from acoustic panels. And again, here we come back to this whole thing again. This is a pretty standard setup for me on a rock kit. I might, like I said, I might add mics, get rid of mics, depending on how the drummer works. Sometimes I don't need a bottom snare mic. Sometimes I don't need a ride cymbal mic or a hi-hat mic. Um, sometimes I do, though, especially if drummers that are more technical. Um, so those just are fill-ins. Now, my basic drum sound that you just heard is comprised mainly of overheads, the two kick mics, and the two snare mics, and then the close tom mics. There's a little bit of room mic in there. Um, there's a little bit of stereo room in there. And there's a little tiny bit of snare bottom. I'm talking, my fader's set at negative 39. I mean, it's barely in there. Um, I know that doesn't mean much in reference, but I don't record super hot, so that's very quiet. Um, the behind the kit mic phase is flipped. And um, it is, let's see, it is down negative it's pretty low it's it's negative 20 my meters are hitting about negative 28 so it's pretty low in the mix as well um i feel it's really necessary on drums to not track super hot because i feel like you get more headroom if you i mean if you're working in 24 bit you got all the headroom you you ever will need um more headroom than our ears can even hear so you know i'd say your max level when tracking drums should be about negative Jeez, negative 8, negative 12, somewhere around there. I mean, your your highest level. I don't think tracking super hot is just necessary anymore. Um, and if you ever have questions about that, and I can I can go into more depth about it and explain it if you send me an email, recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com, and I'll explain to you my whole theory on uh, gain staging if you're curious about it. Otherwise, just uh, take my advice, and if you don't want to hear me explain it, then um, just I would suggest these days in most things... Um, you don't really need to record any hotter than negative 12, um, your max level at negative 12. I mean, in the old days, it was because you had tape hiss, and then after that, it was because you had 16-bit digital systems, and you needed to preserve all the bits, and, you know, but these days, with 24-bit and recording at 44.1 or 88.2 or 96, there's no, you, you're not going to deal with it. It's just no problem.
when you're listening to your drums that you've recorded, um, I almost guarantee you one of the biggest problems of drum tracks that people record in small studios is the room and also the drums that, you know, these drums are tuned. I know how to tune drums. And, you know, I wasn't playing to a metronome. I'm not the best drummer, but uh, I balance myself very well. I know that, you know, I need to play the cymbals this loud and the, and the ride cymbal this loud. And, you know, I could have been beating the heck out of the ride cymbal, but it wouldn't have helped my drum sound. I mean, that's not, I don't, I don't really see how it's such a problem for some drummers to to balance themselves. I think it's because they're sitting at their kit and they just don't ever think about it. They just bang away and they don't actually sit to think, you know, how loud is my cymbals? How loud are my cymbals in comparison to my drums? You know, it seems pretty elementary, but at the same time, drums are so fun, it's kind of hard to even notice that. You're just kind of playing. So anyway, these are what I start with on a rock session. Now, I would probably switch out the snare and sometimes the cymbals for different things depending on the style of rock. And often the drummers bring their... Uh, now, this is the studio kit that I own. Drummers a lot of times will bring their kit. Um, the, probably the most common thing is that drummers actually really like this kit a lot, and so they'll bring their snares and their cymbals. And sometimes, sometimes um, their own kick drum. But they also often bring uh, their kick pedal because they're very comfortable with that. So they'll bring their heart, you know, their, their kick pedal and their snares and whatnot. And they'll switch out the snares to what they like. They'll switch out their hi-hats and they'll switch out their ride cymbal and switch out things they like. But in general, um, this is what I start with. Now, one thing I would like to say is that I don't necessarily use every mic at the same time. Uh, it seems to be a common misconception that, you know, oh, I record with... 13 to 16 microphones on a drum kit on average. So, man, how do you, how in the world do you balance all those? I don't necessarily have them up all the time. Sometimes I'll um, keep down room mics for certain sections, or I'll push up the room mics for certain sections. Um, my primary drum sound is com comprised of the overheads, the kick mics, the snare mics, and that, and the close tom mics for fills. Now, I do edit out the space between tom fills, or I just automate the faders down. Um, if the editing seems a little too much. Um, so I, I, I do that, so there's no bleed. I don't like gates on toms. I think they sound, they don't really trigger it as well as you'd like to ever. So I just mute the spaces. I just cut it out. I mean, it, come on, it takes 10 minutes in a DAW to, to do the entire song to cut out all the spaces where there are, are not toms. Um, so I'll push them up in different sections, or sometimes I'll just completely delete a channel or mute it. Um, a lot of times the behind the kit channel I I either use a lot of or I don't use at all. Sometimes I don't use the bottom snare mic and I'll just mute it. So I'm not using these all the time necessarily. The whole key of bringing this up is not for me to brag and say, hey guys, look how good my drum sound is, is, is when it's raw. That's not the point. The point is to show you that when you are mixing and working on things and you're saying, gosh, I'll never get this to sound good, really take into consideration how good the raw tracks sound and say, does this even sound like a drum kit? Like, does it even sound like I'm sitting at the drum kit? And if the answer is no, then you got to figure out why. And a lot of times what happens is when people record, they don't think about their mic position. They just say, well, I guess I'll put up some overheads and then they put up the overheads and then they don't think about where they put them or why they put them or anything. They put up the mics and they just kind of put a mic on everything and hope it works. But you've got three big things to check for 
with drums. One is the sound in the room. We've already talked about this. How the drums sound? Are they tuned well? Do they have new heads? Um, is the drummer good? Are the cymbals too bright or too loud? Are, is the drummer playing them right? Is the room treated? That's number one. The source always is number one. How does it sound in the room, and how does the room sound? And I, I can't say it enough. Number two with drums is phase. This will kill your drum sound if you don't do it right. My best advice for checking phase is to have the drummer play and record all the mics. Don't have him keep playing and trying to check phase while he's playing. You're never going to get anything done. you got to listen critically. So record him. Record him for maybe 30 seconds and record him playing everything. Say, play play something that'll, that'll play every part of the kit. And so make sure he'll hit, all, he'll hit all the toms, he'll hit all the cymbals, and he'll hit the kick and snare and hi-hat. Now this is my method for checking phase. I didn't create it, but this is just however I learned it, this is how I learned it. And uh, from mentors and reading and all kinds of things, and just from experience working with it. Always, I check my overheads first. So I solo up the overheads, and then I'll add in the kick. I add in the kick inside mic. That's my main mic. So um, th what you do is you put them at the same level. So uh, look at your meters and, and, and see where they're hitting about the same level. Um, or, or, or another good rule of thumb is how loud is the kick in the overheads or something, you know, trying to figure out matching them so they're not, it's not like the kick is super, super loud and the overheads are quiet. I mean, balance them as if that was your only drum sound. Then you flip the phase on the kick mic. Leave the overheads the same. You flip the phase on the kick mic and see if it sounds beefier like that. If it sounds beefier with the, with the phase flip, beefier meaning more low end, more punch, not more attack, more low end, just boom, boom. If it has more of that, then um, that means it's in phase. That means that they're pushing at the same time. So you check your overheads and your inside kick. Then what I do is I solo up the kick inside and the kick outside together. Then I will listen to those. Often the outside kick mic, depending on how far away it is, will have to be flipped. So now that you've already, f let's say you didn't flip your kick inside mic. Well, that doesn't mean that when you solo up your kick inside and kick outside, you should flip the kick inside mic because it was in phase with the overheads, right? So. Every new mic you add, you're going to be flipping the phase on that one, potentially. So solo up the kick inside and kick outside, and then see if you need to flip the phase on the kick outside mic. If both of those are good, let's say you need to flip the phase on the kick outside mic. Then listen back to it with the overheads. So overheads, kick inside, and kick outside. That's good, then move on. Do the overheads and the snare the exact same way. Solo up the overheads, solo up the snare top mic. Then... Uh, what, let's say you didn't flip that. Then solo up the snare top and the snare bottom. And if the snare bottom needs to be flipped, which it often does, then flip that. Um, then solo up the overheads and the tom mics. So find a tom fill. And, and often I usually pan the tom mics and then solo it up there. So then you pan the toms and whatever, and then you listen for a tom fill and then flip you know, the rack tom and see if it sounds be beefier, more low end. Flip the floor tom, see if it has more low end. Whichever position has more low end, that's the position you want to keep. Then um, I check my overheads with my room mics. So for me, this is my overheads and my stereo rooms. Then I check my overheads and my mono room. Then I check my overheads and my behind the kit mic. 
um, and I do them one at a time. I don't do it overheads in stereo room, then add mono room, then add behind the kit. You'll never hear it. Do overheads only, then stereo room. So overheads and stereo room is one pair. Overheads and mono room is another. Overheads and behind the kit mic is another. Um, just do them in pairs like that, and you'll find that it's a lot easier. If you're having trouble hearing it, um, try f uh, panning everything left. Like your master, try panning that left so you're only listening through one speaker. Sometimes it's easier to hear phase differences in one speaker as opposed to two. So that is how you check phase um, on a big drum session. And it, I, I'm telling you, it will save your drum session if you do it every time. What I do is I take out a piece of paper and I take note of which ones need to be flipped. And then I flip it on the preamps. All of my preamps... Um, any module that I have is probably going to have a phase reverse button on it. So I'll flip the phase there. So that way when it's recorded, I don't have to flip it later. If I, if I need to, I can, but you know. So on my session, um, this is a perfect example. The only thing that I had to flip in the box is the floor tom. I actually found that the floor tom was out of phase. Um, for whatever reason, and it, it, you know, don't, there's no reason to sit around and debate why this is out of phase. Oh, that shouldn't be a, who cares? Who cares why it shouldn't be out of phase? It is. Um, sometimes the overheads are, you know, out of phase. Sometimes the overheads are out of phase. Um, the easiest way to check this, because notice we've been checking the overheads with everything. So the easiest way to check if the overheads are out of phase is to zoom in on the overhead wave and make sure that the very first hit goes upward, not downward. So on my preamps, I'm looking here on the rack, um, it looks like uh, the bottom snare mic is flipped, which is pretty typical. The outside kick mic is flipped, and the mono room mic is flipped. Now the third thing about drum sounds is patience. Take time when you do this stuff. Really do it right. You'll save a ton of time later. Take time when you're setting up the mics. Take time when you're getting sounds. Take time when you're mixing. And be subtle a lot of times. As I said, all I had on this session was a little reverb and a little compression on the drum bus and nothing else. That's it. And I balanced them. I balanced the mics. You know, before you start adding gates and EQs and compressors as a ride of course, you're, you know, you're already starting, oh, there's my phone. Uh, you're already starting to uh, get all these different things coming in, and all of a sudden your sound doesn't even sound real anymore. It just sounds like a fake processed drum sound. And if you're going for fake and processed, then go ahead and put on those gates. So, um, anyway, I hope you guys have enjoyed today. I know this was a little different than your, our usual show, uh, but take some of these things into consideration next time you're recording drums. It's a very hard instrument to record it's very large and it's never the same so use your ears as always be patient check for phase and just have a good time recording drums can be really fun all right if you guys have any questions about any of this or any other thing involving audio acoustics treating your room drum recording drum mixing anything feel free to email me at recording lounge podcast at gmail.com this is also where you can email me if you're interested in freelance mixing or mastering which i do and um, i've worked with a couple of podcast listeners already and really thankful to uh, make those connections and meet some new friends so um you know i i love doing mixing and mastering it's uh, probably my favorite thing to do in the whole world so uh, if you have want me to master or mix your tracks or both just send me an email also, the same email address, 
and uh, we can talk about rates and whatnot for your specific project. It's different for everyone. Recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can check out the blog. That's recordinglounge.blogspot.com. An easier link is theclosetstudios.com slash blog. And a new way to connect here is with Facebook. I've created facebook.com slash recordinglounge. All one word, no periods or underscores or anything, just facebook.com slash recording lounge. You can post questions, you know, uh, meet new meet new people or whatever. I, I think there's only like, what, two two likes or something right now? You know, I, I just started it recently, so um, I haven't even mentioned it on the show yet. So um, that you can go over, and I know most people are on Facebook more than they're on Blogger or something. So uh, go check out Recording Lounge over on Facebook. Invite your friends. Tell people about the show. And I will talk to you guys soon. I hope you have a good holiday.